Hello and welcome to our Talk with Ted. This is always a good time for us to discuss pertinent issues about our day. Uh, pastor Ted is a uh, retired pastor and counselor, and he's come today to help us to uh, talk about some issues. Welcome, Ted. Thank you for making yourself available. It's again, a privilege to be here. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Ted, uh, we've been thinking about people and what they must be going through during this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And a lot of people are fearful. You know, I, uh, I see people, um, you know, maybe in the grocery store, we're trying to limit, you know, how many times we go in. But uh, the clerks are fearful. And uh, we talk to people on the telephone and you kind of just hear the angst in their voice. And it's a, it's a hard time for a lot of people. How do, how do we as Christians deal with this whole topic of fear? I, I think there, there is some healthy fear. If I'm in a threatening oh, okay. relationship, I want to make sure that I'm careful to look after myself. Okay. It says in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I mean, that's reverence. That's not the fear that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But I think there's some healthy things that we can identify. And if there's some danger... I need to protect myself. But, but sometimes we have to stop and say, okay, what does that fear look like? And, and I, I, I never say to somebody, don't be afraid, because they, they come in and tell me they're afraid. Mm -hmm. I want to unpack that and find out what that's all about. Mm -hmm. So really what I'm doing is I'm looking for the source of that fear. Oh. And if I understand the source of that fear, and if, if it's uh, COVID-19, if it's a loss of work, if it's uh, running out of money, mm -hmm. I have a loved one in a nursing home and I'm, I'm, I'm concerned for that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to dismiss that, but I want to understand very clearly that in, in, in 2 Timothy, it says God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of, of power and of love and self-discipline or sound mind. Mm -hmm. I think that's the beginning of that is, is I can uh, understand where the fear is coming from. Okay. And then allowing God to do that work in my heart and my life. And then secondly, I think I really need to think about the sovereignty of God. Uh, there's nothing here that God does not see. There's nothing here that God does not know. And so somehow I have to find myself to put my trust in the Lord. Mm. It says both in Psalms and Hebrews. It says in, in Psalms 57 verse 11, if you're at home writing these things down, it can be good to, good to go back over these. Psalm 56 verse 11, trust in the Lord. I will not fear what can man do to me. Oh. And I like the way Hebrews puts it. It says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid what can man do to me. Mm -hmm. So I, I, th I think when I understand the sovereignty of God and understand that God is there ready to pr provide for my need, it mm -hmm. says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, he supplies all my need according to his riches and glory mm -hmm. by Christ Jesus. Yeah, I read something this week about uh, an article that I read, and they made the comment, uh, God is not in heaven saying, how can I send something to make it difficult for my children, mm. right? Mm. But rather, God is saying, come unto me, and I'll give you help, mm -hmm. right? right? It's a whole different mindset that we have to have. And I think it's partly, uh, what am I learning through this crisis? Yeah. What, what am I learning about my relationship mm -hmm. to the Lord what am I learning about my trust in the Lord? And remember, he created me for a purpose. And, and this, like I said before, this doesn't surprise him. And I just want God's work to be accomplished <coughs> in my heart and my life mm -hmm. all, always. And mm -hmm. just reaching out to the Lord in all things and allowing God to work 
through me and in me. So then I, th- then I think of praise. What's, what's it mean to praise God? Uh, and in Psalm 69, 68, verse 19, it says, Praise be to the Lord, the, the God, uh, our Savior, who uh, meets my daily burdens, hears mm-hmm. my daily burdens, whether that's debt or COVID or, or worry or, or pain or future. God is in control of those things, and I need to understand his love and his care in all things. And then, and then as well with that, um, a relationship to God is key, but then I need to reach out to people around me. And uh, you've mentioned that through our church, that we need to reach out to five, try to reach out to five people. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. I think it's good to, to even if I'm stuck in my apartment all alone, I, we've got a telephone. We need to reach out. Mm-hmm. We need uh, to allow God's spirit to work in our hearts and, and our lives. And by doing that too, we might, we might, somebody else might be able to help us to identify the source of our fear. Right? And then, and if then, we can't do that yeah, ourselves. That's right. And then they can, we, we, we're helping them and they're helping us at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and, then, and then just regular routine. You know, we, we're not working. Um, temptation is to sleep in. Mm. I say get up at the same time. Uh, get dressed. Don't stay in your pajamas, but get dressed. <laughs> uh, have breakfast. Mm-hmm. And figure out a plan for the day that you can do. Uh, some are t- homeschooling and that you can't stop that. Yeah. Uh, and that's a good thing. But, uh, but just develop a regular plan and routine for yourself that you can understand that there, there's a goal set. And mm-hmm. set an achievable goal for one. If you, even if you set one goal for one day and then just allow God to work through, through that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then I also think just being thankful. You know, it, it, sure, we can, with the news this week, it's, it's very disturbing the number of uh, projection, projected deaths that yeah. may happen. But that's only, that's only what man thinks. God is in control of all this, mm-hmm. and we don't need to worry about what uh, man will say, uh, will say and think. And I, and I also think we just need to be still and know that I am God. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Psalm 46, verse 10. Amen. And uh, yeah. the, the other thing I want to mention to you is in, in first, Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 19. Uh, so fix your eyes not on the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. Mm. Uh, the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That, that's where we need to go. We need to just, yeah. okay, God, what's, what's the step for me? What am I learning through this experience? Mm-hmm. And what do you desire for my life through, mm-hmm. through what you're doing? A lot of what I hear you saying is... Uh, dealing with our fear uh, to a large extent has to do with what our focus is on. Right. Is that right? Right. We dealt with that kind of in the first session here mm-hmm. when we're talking about our minds. Yeah. Focus, focus on what God mm. desires to do in your heart and focus on his word. Uh, focus on time in his word every day. Focus on the positive things that, you're, mm. that are going on in your life. Yeah, and, and set goals, yeah. may, maybe at least one achievable goal every day, get up at the same time. You know, it's all, that's all about focus, routine, right. what we set our minds on, right? Yeah. If we don't do that, we, we get in this, uh, this uh, dark spot, mm. and we need to find ourselves to raise above that dark mm. spot. And remember, Jesus said, uh, in this world you're going to have trouble, but don't be afraid because yeah. I've overcome the world and yeah. we need to put our focus on what God is doing in our yeah. hearts and our li- Amen. Li- life. Yeah. There's another verse that really comes to my mind is that one in uh, 1 John chapter 4. Um, there's no fear in love and, and perfect love casts out fear. Uh, so love for, 
for God and love for the people around me and just uh, meditate on that. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ted. Um, if somebody doesn't have somebody to talk to and they wanted to contact you, would that be possible to, to chat with you? I would love that. And, and okay. the first step would be to send me an email and it's uh, NB, uh, like North Broadway, but just the NB, Pastor Ted at gmail.com. Okay. So it's NB, Pastor Ted at gmail.com. Right. And whether if you've been encouraged, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah. But I, I really want to have some input. Is there, some, is there something that you would like to have discussed that could mm-hmm. be helpful? And I'd be glad to mm-hmm. entertain that. Okay. And if I get a flood, obviously, we'll have yeah, to well, deal one, t- one at a time. And they can contact yeah. me or something. Yeah. Ch- but call we'll, the put, we'll put that email address up on the screen Good. so that people can see that. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. And, and we'll, we'll meet again and deal with another topic uh, next week. And... Uh, You can look forward to that. Thank you. Teaching and growing together through the Bible. This is Hope of Glory with Pastor Mark Barrett. On this Palm Sunday, we're going to be looking in our Bibles at Luke chapter 19. If so, if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to Uh, Grab it or put it on your electronic device and uh, open to Luke chapter 19. You know, at the at the end of World War One, people were so optimistic. Now, most of us, if any of us at this point were alive during World War One, but history tells us that they believed that the last world war had been fought, that the world had at last been made safe. And the way had been paved for democracy and, and freedom everywhere. And people were ecstatic about that. When the president of the United States, Woodrow Wilson, paid his first visit to Europe, he was greeted with large crowds. They were ecstatic. They were cheering everywhere that he went. In many people's eyes, he was more popular than the greatest war hero of World War I. They just loved him. He was, he was viewed as an icon of hope. In all, the cheering lasted for about eh, a year, <laughs> and then it stopped. Apparently, the political leaders of Europe were more concerned about uh, their own agendas than to lasting peace, and the people slowly lost hope. And then on the home front, Wilson Uh, couldn't get the support of the Senate, and and the League of Nations was never ratified. Uh, He was under a tremendous amount of pressure during that time, and and he couldn't get the support, and his, his his health began to fail, and in the next election, his party lost. Two years earlier, Woodrow Wilson was hailed as a leader, as a as a world leader, as a hero, as, as somebody who had uh, helped them to accomplish their goals. And in his last days, he became a defeated man. And you know, history is filled with stories like that. It's filled with people who started out humbly, and then they rose in their popularity, and they came to the, the end of their life in humiliation 
In our text today, uh, we're going to find another one of those examples. Jesus, as you know, was born the son of a carpenter. Well, he was a son of God, but his earthly father uh, was a carpenter. Uh, He was educated in Nazareth. He would have followed his father's trade earlier on, the first 30 years of his life. Uh, He eventually gained favor with men and was cheered and was praised, but But soon he would be mocked and scorned and cast aside the same uh, by the same people who were doing the cheering just days before. Now, on this Palm Sunday, uh, you know the story. Jesus rides into Jerusalem on the back of a an untrained colt, and showed his kingship. It showed his control over everything. And the Jews, the Jews were looking for something that they didn't understand that they were given because they were looking for something other than what Jesus had to offer. That's going to, be made, that's going to make sense in just a moment. You see, on this Palm Sunday, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, there were a couple of things that Jesus was aware of. Uh, Number one, Jesus was aware of the heart of the people. And number two, he knew knew the conditions that were surrounding the people. You see, the the Jews were under heavy uh, Roman oppression. Uh, There were heavy taxes and heavy restrictions and by the way, executions of all sorts and by crucifixion. And Jesus knew all about those things. And when Jesus came, uh, the people, he, he saw their, their, their reactions and he, he saw their attitudes and he saw their, their moods. And, and they were looking for somebody who would come and deliver them from this oppression from from their bondage, and when Jesus came, he saw all that, and, and they saw his teachings, they, they heard him, they, they saw the miracles, uh, they thought, well, surely with the power that this man brings, surely with the miracles that this man has to deliver, he's the one that is going to deliver us from the Roman rule, he's the one that is, that is going to remove the bondage, and so when Jesus came into Jerusalem, well, guess what they were doing, they were they were cheering. That's right. They were cheering. I mean, the timing was just right. It was approaching the Passover season, which you remember what that was. That was the commemoration of when the, when the death angel passed over in Egypt, when they were still in Egypt. And if they had, if they had put the blood on their doorposts and lentils, uh, the day, death angel would pass them by. And yet all the firstborns in Egypt were put to death. And after that, Israel was released from bondage in Egypt. And so the Passover was a commemoration of that. And, and, and now maybe Jesus had come in the same way to deliver them from like God had from the bondage in Egypt. Uh, Jesus had come to deliver them from the bondage of the Romans. And Jesus, you know, he knew their hearts. But, you know, the Roman soldiers also knew something. They also knew that it was the Passover season. Uh, 
And they knew that it was traditionally a time that brought skirmishes and violent uh, reactions. You see, they hadn't forgotten that a few years earlier, uh, there was a man by the name of Theodos of Jordan who had ridden into Jerusalem in kind of the same manner that Jesus had. And they remembered how he had promised all kinds of miracles, the miracles of Elijah and and how he led a rather large revolt. And they also remembered how Theodos, along with 400 of his followers, had been put to death. And they took a, the head of a Theodos and they hung it on the, the Roman garrison. And so when Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day, uh, the crowds, they were waving palm branches and and, and the Romans were ready for the revolt, and they were ready for whatever was going to happen. And, with, it, and the palm branches, by the way, is a long-standing uh, symbol of Jewish nationalism. It's kind of like us waving flags today. They were waving palm branches, expecting Jesus to come in and, 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 and raise up a revolt, as it were. And they shouted, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. But just as suddenly as the cheering began, the cheering stopped. Because, you see, Jesus didn't raise up a troop of soldiers. He didn't raise up a revolt. Uh, he didn't uh, drive, but, but rather, I should say, he drove out the money changers in the temple. Uh, he paid tribute to Caesar he taught that giving out of poverty is more, more important than giving out of abundance. He taught that in order to be great, you must become a servant. Isn't that amazing? How, how when things go our way, we cheer. But when they don't go exactly as we thought they ought to go, the cheering stops. And the cheering stopped that day. The cheering stopped. Um, what about... What about today. Isn't that kind of how things happen today, even in our own lives? What happens when we face oppression? What happens when trouble comes into our lives? What happens when a coronavirus hits and the nation is shut down and people are getting sick? And people are wondering about the future. What happens? Too often, the cheering stops and words of adoration quickly fade into criticism. You see, sometimes God does give us what, what we want. And sometimes He doesn't give us what we want. <laughs> but you better believe it that He always gives us what we need. It's just that sometimes our problem is that our wants and our needs are blurred. And the same thing happened to the crowds that lined the streets of Jerusalem that cheered on Jesus. There were some things that they didn't see, but that Jesus saw. Let's look at the passage beginning in Luke chapter 19 and verse 41. Now as he, Jesus, drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. 
For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. The question today is, why did the cheering stop? And why does the cheering stop today? When things don't go our way. And I think we get the answer in these verses that we just, that we just uh, read. You see, Jesus saw some things that they didn't see. The, jury, the cheering stopped because they didn't recognize the purpose of Jesus. At the end of verse 44, it says, Because you did not know the time of your visitation. And that word visitation could have two possible meanings. Jesus could have been talking about somebody visiting somebody in order to bring judgment. Or he could have been talking about, um, the first one doesn't really fit the context, but he could have been talking about somebody visiting in order to bring relief or deliverance. And that kind of fits the context better. It seems to fit because the Greek word used here literally means to relieve. It means to relieve. In fact, it's the same word that is used over in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 36 where Jesus said, I was sick and you visited me. It's the same word. And you can kind of see the irony in it, can't you? Here's a group of people who were desiring relief and salvation from their oppression under the Romans, but they didn't see the opportunity that true relief had really come to them already. Look at the phrase again. Jesus is not implying that they didn't know know his purpose. In fact, Jesus himself had already told them what his purpose for coming was. Over in Luke chapter 17 and verse 20. Let me go over there with you. Luke chapter 17 verse 20. He asks his Pharisees, The Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, and he answered them, and he said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. You see, they were aware of the claims of Jesus that he was the Son of God. He said that many times. They were witnesses to his miracles. In fact, Jesus even told them, remember, that they could look at the skies and they could discern when a, when a storm was coming, but they couldn't even look at their own time and discern the time in which they were living. But the reason they couldn't see the purpose was because their eyes were on their immediate circumstance instead of their current condition. Do you see the difference? Are we kind of the same way today in our lives? When we go through some kind of a trial, when we go through a hardship of some sort, when we get our eyes on our circumstances, everything's wrong, right? (laughs) When we get our eyes on our circumstances, something happens. Our our prayers start to change. Our our thoughts start to change. Even uh, physiology starts to change. We start to worry. We start to fret. We get anxious. Uh, Pastor Ted and I talked today about fear. 
fear enters in, when we start focusing on our circumstance. And this is what we pray. We pray, Lord, deliver me, help me, fight for me, uplift me, (laughs) right? When we ought to be praying, Lord, mold me. Lord, change me. Lord, help me to see you in the midst of all of this. Lord, help me to understand what it is that you want me to learn in the midst of this circumstance. That ought to be our prayer. You see, what, what, what we want is for God to change our circumstances, right? We want God to get rid of the problem. We want God to deliver us. We want the oppression to end. What God wants is to change us through the circumstance. This... Uh, COVID-19, what's God want for us, children of God? He wants to change us. He wants, to see, he wants us to see him in the midst of it all. We need to be asking God, God, what is it that you want to do in my life? Change me for your glory. Make me all that you want me to be. What the people of Jerusalem wanted was to be delivered from their oppression, but Jesus came to do something even bigger than that. Isn't that awesome? He wants to do something bigger than what we're asking. He came to deliver them from sin. But in their desire to escape the immediate circumstances, they missed the fact that they were walking in the very presence of the Son of God. That they were walking in the very presence of the Prince of Peace who came to deliver them, yes, but not in the way that they wanted him to deliver them. Let, let's, let's not let that be the reason for our cheering to stop in our own lives. For a lack of understanding who Jesus is and what he came to do. Not only did they refuse to recognize his purpose, they also refused to accept his terms. This is an important one. Notice what happens over in, uh, over in verse 42. <clears throat> let me get back there again. Verse 42. He said, if you had known, even especially in this day, the things that make for your peace. Look at that. If you would have understood what peace was, you would have, you would have understood why I came. That word know is an interesting word. It, it, it isn't used in the sense of <clears throat> being aware of something or to have a knowledge of something. That, that we, we would use it in a way we would say, oh, I know. You know, somebody tells us something and we'd say, oh, I know. Or we, we, might, we might say to somebody, hey, I know how to fix that. That's, that's kind of a knowledge sort of a thing. It's a way of expressing that we understand something. That's not the way it's used here. It's, it's, used, it's a word that is uniquely used in Scripture in other places. <clears throat> For example, in, in Matthew 7.23, when Jesus said, Depart from me, I never knew you. Now, there's an interesting use of that word. We know that God knows everything, right? He knows us inside out. It's not like he was unknowledgeable of of somebody, but what it means in this passage is that he never approved of you. That's what it means. He never approved of you. It literally means, even though I know you, I'm very acquainted with you, I know everything there is to know about you, he says, I, I, I've counted the, head, the hairs on your head. God knows everything about us, but I know every little detail about you. But he says, you must depart from me because I never approved of you. 
That's what it means. It's the same over here in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 42. The, the terms of Jesus were very clearly spelled out. In Luke 14, we see that it involves a cross. When he says in verse 27, Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. In other words, the, the terms that Jesus laid out for following him need to be considered very carefully because the terms involve submission. For example, in those days when two nations set out to uh, war against one another, they would form the battle lines, so much unlike today, they would form the battle lines and then they would send out a representative from, from the weaker nation to the stronger nation and they would ask them, what are the terms of peace? What are the terms of peace? The stronger nation would give the terms of peace. Then it was up to the weaker king to submit those uh, terms of peace uh, to the desire of the people. And if they wanted to go ahead and fight, they would fight. If they wanted to surrender, if they wanted to submit to those terms of peace, that's what they would do. Now, the people of Jerusalem, they wanted peace, right? We all want peace. They wanted peace. They wanted, they wanted to cease from this oppression from the Romans. They wanted peace in their life. They, they wanted to uh, be, be delivered from conflict. They wanted, they wanted to come through the conflict. Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 that's not what I'm offering you. What I'm offering you is peace in your conflict. Isn't that a great difference? Not, not peace apart from the conflict, but I want to give you peace in the conflict. That's why Jesus said back in uh, Luke chapter 13 and verse 34, <clears throat> we read that Jesus approaching Jerusalem, he said, O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Wow. You are not willing. In other words, the, the city of Jerusalem, whose name means peaceful, they refused the terms of peace. Why? Because they wanted to, they wanted to set the terms of peace themselves. <laughs> they wanted to be the ones who told Jesus how they wanted peace. And how often do we do the same thing today, right? We want peace. Uh, we want blessing. But we want to do it our way. We, we, want, we want to set the terms of peace. And so basically we're saying to God, God, I, I want peace. I want to be delivered. Uh, I, but I'm going to do this my own way. I, I want to be blessed. I, I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing. God, why don't you just come along and bless my efforts? Isn't that what we do? And for some people who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they say, oh, God, I want to go to heaven. I want to, I want, I want to be with, with you when I die. This is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to live life my own way, and you just kind of bless whatever I do, right? No, that's not the terms of peace that God set out. Jesus was pretty clear about the terms of peace with him when Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth, I'm the life, and nobody can come to the Father except through me. That's the terms of peace. Not your own way, but my way. You've got to follow my way. 
the, the road that Jesus said is the path that we need to follow. The provision for salvation was already made. It's already been made by Jesus when he went to the cross and died there on Calvary's cross and paid the penalty for our sin to provide the way of forgiveness, to satisfy the wrath of God. Those were the terms of peace. There is no other way. Jerusalem didn't recognize his purpose, and neither do a lot of people today. They refused to accept his terms of peace, but also they didn't realize that it would bring judgment. Back to uh, Luke chapter 19. Let's read that portion again, beginning in verse 42. Jesus said, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your, your visitation. You know what that is? That's a description of the future judgment of Jerusalem. You see, they had been warned. They knew the terms of peace. They, they, they knew what was expected of them. They knew who Jesus was. But they refused to expect, accept the terms of peace. They refused uh, to accept who Jesus was. And they brought judgment on themselves. That judgment came around 70 AD when a, when a Roman named Titus set siege against Jerusalem because, well, they finally revolted against Rome. And the people had it their own way. They did it their own way. They acted in their own terms, and it brought down judgment. According to the ancient historian Josephus, over a million Jews were killed during that siege. Josephus recorded that the blood flowed down the steps leading into the temple like water. And the temple was destroyed. Hasn't ever been rebuilt since. You see, things happen just the way that Jesus said they would happen. And it was because why? They would not accept Jesus' purpose. They refused to accept his terms. They re refused to accept the reason for why he came. They refused to accept who he was. And therefore, they were judged. And it was God who said, you're done. It was God who says, the end has come. Look at the end of verse 40, 42. He says, but now they're hidden from your eyes. They're hidden from your eyes. In other words, they knew the claim, they knew his terms, but now they wouldn't have a new opportunity to accept them. Why? They wanted it their own way. They wanted Jesus to act the way that they wanted him to act. And so the cheering stopped with one more silencing blow, which was judgment. It's the same way today, isn't it? None of us can approach God on our own terms. We have to come through Jesus Christ. That's the only way, because the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because of our sin, we have no way of approaching God. We've got to come on the terms of Jesus. 
We can't come to, to him on our own because the Bible says no man comes to me unless the Father draws him. No, when we come to him, we have to accept the claims of Jesus. He's the Son of God. He's a sacrifice for our sins. He's the Lord and he's the Savior. We've got to accept that about Jesus. And if we accept to, not, uh, to acknowledge those terms, if we uh, refuse to accept who Jesus is, it could be that we literally shut the door of opportunity so that, so that all there is left to hear is, depart from me, I never knew you. It's done. It's finished. And at that point, the cheering will stop. Please don't let that point come in your life. Turn to the, turn to the Savior today. Accept His terms, His terms of peace. And Christians, we also need to accept the, the terms of Jesus, not to become self-centered instead of God-centered. We, we need to be careful to accept the terms of Jesus for service as unto Him, offering our lives and our bodies as sacrifices Unto him. The Bible says this is what is acceptable to him, to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. We need to, to accept the things that he would have us to do. We need to serve him and, and, and love him and worship him and commit our lives to him. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want to encourage you to do so. And you can do that right now in the comfort of your living room or wherever it, wherever it is that you're listening to this broadcast. You, you could just say a little prayer like this. And it's not the words of the prayer that I'm going to give to you, but God knows your heart. You could say something like this. Lord, I believe that Jesus came and is the Son of God, that he gave his life for me by dying on a cross for my sins. I believe that on the third day he rose from the dead and that he's alive today and he's offering me a free gift of eternal life. Come into my heart. Save me from my sin. I want you to be the king and the Lord of my life. I surrender myself to you and make me into the kind of person that you want me to be. And if you said a little prayer like that today and you meant it in your heart, you received Christ, Congratulations and welcome to the family of God. And I'd love to hear from you. I've got some literature I'd love to send to you that will help you and encourage you in your walk with God. And uh, write to me and, uh, and, and allow me the opportunity to encourage you. Let's close in prayer now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. Thank you for this Palm Sunday, for what Jesus did for us when he surrendered himself to the Father's will. I pray, Lord, that uh, those who have surrendered their hearts to you today will, will walk with you and find new meaning in life and, and new purpose for their life. I pray, Lord, for, for us who are followers of you, that we'll surrender our lives to you and that, Lord, we'll be, be a, a sacrifices as unto you, giving our lives to your purpose, surrendering, surrendering in every way. We thank you, Lord, for loving us so much that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.